Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today we continue our studies in 1 Thessalonians, Paul, the Gospel and the Church. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart. We'd love for you to join us over there. Good morning all. Wonderful to be back again with you all. And uh, carrying on in our devotional series through 1 Thessalonians, we're still in 1 Thessalonians 3. I'm going to be basically picking up exactly where I left off uh, yesterday. Um, So we're in 1 Thessalonians 3 uh, in verse 8, and we're going to read down to verse 10. So uh, it says this. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving... Can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. And so yesterday I was talking about this joy that Paul has, this overwhelming joy um, that he now knows that the Thessalonians are Uh, doing well they're standing firm in their faith and that he now knows that they are going after the gospel still Um, he hasn't he hasn't labored in vain but they are indeed holding fast Um, which as we talked about was a huge cause for joy and perhaps not something that we get as passionate or joyful about as as maybe we should um, for the miracle that the holy spirit has moved in the thessalonian church evidenced by the fact that they are still holding fast. They believe in the Lord. You know, it's why Paul can start this letter by saying, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you. You know, at the very beginning of the of the gospel, he's saying, "You, we, we now know you're standing firm. You must be chosen by God. God must be working through you. And so he now has that firmness. As we go into these next few verses, off the back of that whole notion of a, a family of faith, the family that Paul now knows, these are his brothers and sisters. He now knows for certain that they are um, going after the, the Lord. He now moves into these verses. Um, and one of them we looked at yesterday where he says, for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. The image being that when we didn't know, we were like wading out in the water, we were dead in worry, and now we are alive, we are living um, we are excited because you're standing fast in the lord but then paul says something very interesting for what thanksgiving can we return to god for you what we are so wrong with joy what thanksgiving could we possibly return to god for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our god i love the Um, the way that Paul actually words that. Obviously, when we translate things into Greek, uh, into English from the Greek, we we miss a number of the kind of subtle ways that sentences are constructed. But a a more literal translation would be, for all the joy with which we are rejoicing. And I I just love the way that he puts that, like, we have all this joy, and all this joy we have is feeding our rejoicing for you. And this joy that we have, what he's saying is so intense, we... We do not know how we could possibly thank God for it. 
Now, again, just a, a minor point before we kind of dive into that is, why is Paul thanking God here? Well, he's thanking God. I mean, you might think, well, the Thessalonians are the ones who have remained faithful. But actually, as we just said, Paul knows that if they're remaining faithful, it's because God has chosen them. It's because God is working through them. And ultimately, a conversion and salvation comes from God's hand, not from our hand. He's the one who causes it. And that's just a minor point to make, really, because it's the reason why Paul is rejoicing or thanking God for their standing firm. But I love the way he words it, as I say, what could we possibly do in return? What can I bring? What can I do to tell God how thankful I am? And I really think this highlights something bigger that we find in the New Testament. It's been called many names by different people before, um, but I quite like calling it the debtor's problem. In the New Testament, we have this idea that God has poured out so much grace on us. In order to save us and bring us home, he hasn't required any of our works, uh, us to do anything in particular. He does everything necessary to bring us home. And yet, if you go to places like Ephesians 2, where it's that clear, Ephesians 2 says, for by grace you have been saved, not of your, uh, uh, th- uh, not by works, but by faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift from God. So grace, not works, faith, and you might say, oh, the faith is mine. Well, actually, no, that's a gift from God. And then Paul says, created um, in Christ Jesus to do good works beforehand. So before you were even saved, you were created to do good works. And that really, that I'll, I'll explain where I'm going with this, because basically we often think of works or doing good things as kind of a, a way of earning our way um, to God. And the New Testament doesn't say, oh, no, you don't have to do anything. There is a place for doing good works, but it comes in response to God. And the reason I call this the, you know, I like calling it the debtor's problem is because really the response of works comes in response to um, knowing that your debt has been paid. And the way that it might work differently is if you owe someone £100, you probably, until you've paid that £100 back, might be a little bit more inclined to be doing them favours. Or let's make it a bit more bigger than that. Let's say you owe someone £50,000. Because they've been so kind and lent you that huge amount of money, you might be more inclined to doing a few more favours for them. But once the money's paid back, once you're no longer, um, you're not bound to them anymore, it kind of, that sense goes because, well, I don't have anything you holding over me anymore. Um, I don't really feel any obligation to you. And in our culture, we might say, oh, no, I, I, you know, I never do that because we're very polite. and We want to serve people even when, um, even when they don't have anything over us. Uh, but certainly in the New Testament, you did people favors when you owed them something. And but what what we're told in the gospel is, yes, you do have an enormous debt. And God hasn't isn't simply waiting for you to do enough favors to pay the debt off. Instead, he has wiped it clean himself. If that is the case, if 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 the debt has been wiped off by God, what can we do in response? There is no limit we can get to where we say we've done enough now and now I'm released from your service. Instead, our whole lives become the offering. Lord. You have done all of this for me. You've paid my whole um, debt, which would give me death. 
what can I do but serve you with everything? And I, I love the way of looking at our kind of service and response to God through that lens in terms of understanding that we're never going to be able to pay the debt off. It's already been paid off. And so what we do in response is an overwhelming uh, sense of, it's, it's service from a sense of gratitude and um, overwhelming thankfulness and amazement at the, at the fact the whole debt has been paid. And so just as what Paul says here about um, the Thessalonians, we can say to God, what thanksgiving can I possibly return to you? What could I possibly do except live my whole life in thankful, joyful obedience to you? And I think that is a, a real challenge. And it's a challenge because it's easy to say um, that you'll die for someone, for instance. You know, um, I, I'll take a bullet for you. Or to say to someone, I love you so much that I would die in your place. The reality is not many people are dying for other people. The, the reality is there's not really many opportunities where you have to stand in that place. There's not many um, people, certainly that I know, who are regularly standing in the way of uh, guns and saying, no, kill me instead of them. It's much harder to say, I will live for you. I will direct my energy and my time and my devotion to you. And I'm not suggesting that we do that to other people, although some of us do. And if you're a parent, then you definitely do that for your children and um, what have you. But, with, but being a Christian is... Most, if you can kind of boil it down, the essence of it is to say to the Lord, everything I have is directed to serving you. What thanksgiving could I possibly return to you? God has done all the work necessary. Just as Paul is rejoicing, not because the Thessalonians have made some good decisions, but because God has done all the work necessary. And so now he says, what possibly can we do to return to God all the joy with which we are rejoicing. This is um, a really quite fundamental, I think, to Paul's thinking. We cannot return the gift to God. How amazing is that? And then just lastly, before we finish, in verse 10, we read, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul's desire now, in, in response to this uh, joy and seeing them and hearing that they're, they're, they're being obedient, is now he desires to see them. He wants to see them. I mean, how many of us can identify with that? I, I so want to see the church again. I cannot wait until we're gathering again. It's going to be such a joy. But that's his prayer. He wants to see them to supply what's lacking in their faith. Now, that's really interesting because he's saying, you know, it's so good to hear you're standing firm. God's done all this. What can we possibly do in return to God for all this? But then he says, I want to see you to supply what's lacking in your faith. And I think, well, well what's lacking? There's, there's a few things it could be. Maybe he's talking about um, teaching them some specific doctrines. You know, that, that could be it. I don't think Christians should ever be wary of doctrine. It's, it's, it's how we come to know the Lord. Maybe what they're lacking is some um, kind of ethical instructions to how to spend their money or something like that. I am of the opinion that what's lacking is that face-to-face -face presence with one another, that we may see you face-to-face -face and supply what is lacking in your faith. I think the and is saying, and, you know, and, and therefore fill in what's lacking by being with you. 
Now, I think that's huge, especially for us, maybe more than it has been in previous years because we are distant from another. And so we can really desire to see one another and supply what's lacking in our faith, to spend time face-to-face encouraging each other. And I think we can identify with Paul there. So I think that these verses gives us two quite powerful points, really. One is that we thank God and have an unpayable a debt which has been cleared, um, and we and we serve in response to that. But the other is that we equally have been had that have had that debt cleared, and we are a body, we're a family, and so one of the ways that we respond to it is by gathering together and encouraging and exhorting and filling up what's lacking in each other's faith. We are called to be a body together. So on that note, I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've called us to be a body, and Lord, we pray that you would uh, bind us together even tighter. Lord, we long for the day where we can gather together again. We pray that you would please speed it up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.